This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The LCMS has missionaries and partner churches all around the world. It's hard to keep track of what's happening in these diverse places, but fortunately, the LCMS has one man whose job it is to visit these places wherever they are and record them on camera. That man is Eric Lunsford, the official photojournalist for the LCMS. You name the place, odds are good Eric's been there or is planning on visiting. His photos appear online in Encounter Magazine, The Lutheran Witness, and other publications as well. His job is to show how people are united in the love of Jesus Christ and the truth revealed by Scripture and the Lutheran Confessions. Eric's latest adventure took him to the nation of Papua New Guinea. If you don't know about it, don't worry. Eric's photos will take you there. Eric's my guest this week on World Lutheran News Digest. And now, today's Fast Track. Yesterday, Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser announced that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and Christian baker Jack Phillips had agreed to end all litigation going forward. The commission had lost a key First Amendment case before the Supreme Court last year after prosecuting Phillips for refusing to bake a custom cake for a same-sex wedding, but had begun the process of prosecuting him again, this time for refusing to bake a cake celebrating a gender transition. The commission had argued that Phillips was discriminating against people on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity, when in reality the baker gladly serves all people. He merely refuses to use his cake art to endorse events that conflict with his religious beliefs. The decision came after a state representative, Dave Williams, testified in February that one of the members of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission told him last November that they believe there is anti-religious bias in the commission. One commissioner called religious freedom a despicable piece of rhetoric, and another called Phillips a hater on Twitter. The recent debate and subsequent vote by the United Methodist Church over the acceptance of same-sex marriage and ordination of LGBTQ individuals isn't the only theological scuffle that's playing out with mainline denomination. Three Episcopal bishops from New York City are upset that the International Anglican Communion has forbidden the spouses of LGBTQ bishops to attend the 2020 Lambeth Conference. This divide has been brought to the forefront during the run-up to the once-in-a-decade meeting called the Lambeth Conference. Religion News Service reports that Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, was worried that if he invited same-sex spouses to the Lambeth Conference, there wouldn't be a conference at all. He says that he thinks he felt it would be a step too far for some of the bishops if they were to attend. Atheists in Portland, Oregon are feeling affirmed after the city council amended the city's civil rights code to extend protection from discrimination to atheists, agnostics, and other people who claim no religion. Portland's protections against discrimination will now include non-religion such as atheism, agnosticism, and non-belief in God or gods, as has been recognized by the courts. This according to published reports. The Missouri House of Representatives has approved a cumbersome proposal that establishes a series of major restrictions on legalized abortion. 
The measure was approved last week by the House on a vote of 117 to 39 and includes various versions of bills prohibiting abortion during most or all of a child's prenatal development. That proposal prohibits abortions when there is a detectable heartbeat or a brain function of the unborn child. If no heartbeat is detected, an abortion may be performed or induced within 96 hours of the conclusion of the heartbeat test. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. The work by the we don't I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen, and my guest today is the one and only Eric Lunsford, the official photojournalist of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Eric's latest adventure has taken him to a country known as Papua New Guinea. Now, how many people even know where New Guinea is or what it is? It's the second largest island in the world. It's located just north of Australia. Interesting history. It used to be half of it was ruled by the Dutch, half of it, uh, a quarter of it was ruled by the Brits, and a quarter of it by the Germans. After World War One, the Brits took over all of the all of the eastern part and then gave it to the Australians. And then after World War Two, the east, the western part gained its independence and joined Indonesia. And then the eastern part got its independence and became an independent country. Now, Eric, firstly, we in the LCMS do have some ties to uh, to uh, Papua New Guinea. How? What happened to you when you were suddenly told by your higher ups, "Oh, we want you to go to Papua, to Papua New Guinea"? That's a great question, and good morning, Kip. You know, I love about the seeing the work that the church does and seeing how God works through people is that. Here's an opportunity to visit a place where you have significant history of mission work. And I love how you say, you know, where is it located? I think that's actually one of the most interesting questions I receive from people is they say, especially here in the United States, well, well where is PNG? And that's a great question because it's, 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 I think it's hard to grasp how large this world is. And so Papua New Guinea is literally on the other side of the earth. And it's a very long way away. You know, for us, if you're coming or going, it's a number of long flights. Now, here, you typically fly, um, oh, you're going to fly to Asia somewhere and connect. Now, for us, we connected through uh, Brisbane, Australia. You took a direct flight from St. Louis to Brisbane? I wish. <laughs> First Atlanta, then Los Angeles, then Brisbane, then Port Moresby, which is the capital city of Papua New Guinea, and then Mount Hagen, which is in the Highlands. Then, because there's always a then, <laughs> a couple-hour drive to the Anga province, where you see a lot of the LCMS mission work going on since 1948. So it's a very long set of flights. It's a very long journey. And what's fascinating is that you lose a day. Oh, that's right, because you crossed the uh, the date line. I know. I tried to stay awake to see what would happen. <laughs> but I just couldn't because the flight left at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. But yeah, we left on a Monday 
and you arrived on a Wednesday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you're in the future. Ah. Sort of. Not. Yeah. Because back in the United States, it's behind. So it's kind of interesting. I texted my wife and I said, I'm texting from Wednesday and it's only Tuesday. Or, <laughs> or maybe it was Thursday. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's a, it was interesting. It's a very long, long distance. But um, you, it's, it's amazing to see how uh, the, the mission work that we've done since 1948 and also to visit with congregations. And here we really had an opportunity to, to spend time. You know, we were in the care of our missionaries, and what a blessing that was uh, to have that fellowship and also see the work that they're doing. Can you give a little background into the LCMS history in uh, Papua New Guinea? Absolutely. So the island nation has been a site for LCMS missions since 1948. Um, and what I love about it is that, you know, this is a place where LCMS missionaries were literally going through the bush, you know, which is interesting, by the way, not to ever go off on the side topic. I can never do that. But it is really, uh, there is a lot of flora there. It's a very mountainous region here in the highlands. It's cool. It's very rainy. We were in the rainy season. So it's just like, you don't. I don't know if you really need a weather forecast. It just, it's rainy one minute and then sunny the next. And that's fascinating because in order to get through a lot of these places, I mean, you have practically in the Enga province, which is kind of like a state, one main road. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a very long neighborhood. But you see as, long, as well as, as you drive along the road, one thing you see a lot of are a lot of men with bush knives. Because that's the way to get through a lot of the region if you go off the road. The vegetation's that thick. Yeah, so to visit one congregation, uh, we parked along a road, walked down this muddy trail, crossed a stream, and what I love is that it was Pastor Ron Rawl, who's one of our LCMS missionaries, and Pastor Jerry from the Goodness Lutheran Church, which is our partner church, and they're looking at us, Kip, and they're saying, okay, we're going to visit a congregation on the top of that mountain, and they point to this mountain, and you see a cell phone tower way in the distance. And we're like, we're going up there. And that's how you reach the congregation. So a lot of times, you really need to cut your way through. Fortunately, we had a path, a very treacherous, muddy path, but we were able to reach a congregation. And what's great is that when you arrive at a congregation, you see these real joyful Lutherans there. Uh, these Lutheran Christians here, they have been baptized when the original missionaries. You see now that love of Christ and church there, no matter where you visit in the congregations. That's really fantastic. Were they also excited that someone actually from the from the uh, IC is visiting them personally? Yes, indeed. It, the Papua New Guineans are extremely gracious and hospitable and just very welcoming. One of the just the joys is, uh, and it's a little difficult for me as a photographer, you and I have talked about this before, is that balance between being a documentary photographer, but also kind of a guest of honor. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you're coming to be a part of the congregation and to worship with them. And that is such a joy and blessing. And here, when you arrive, it's because a lot of it's substance farming for a lot of people. They've brought their vegetables and they said, it is a gift to you. To the LCMS for visiting. We thank you so much. Mm. Also, there is, and we're, since we're talking about that history, such a wonderful history of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel 
proclaiming the gospel and seeing that now generations later. You know, one thing we talk about is how we have Martin Dickey. Dr. Martin Dickey is an LCMS missionary who teaches a lot of music education. He does a lot of um, basic Christian, Christian teaching at the Highlands Lutheran School. But he's from Papua New Guinea, and now he's back. And that's just, to see the work over generations, it's just fascinating. I had read that uh, Lutheranism is one of the largest Christian denominations in uh, PNG. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. So especially in the Enga province where the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has been working, you see, um, I I think, uh, kind of a rough guess, probably eighty to 100,000 um, Lutherans and congregations that are part of the Gutnius Lutheran Church, which is the partner church as we talked about. And to see that's just so steeped, which I guess I'm using a tea metaphor, really, though it's a coffee country, <laughs> to see that is such a joy. Because when you come there, I mean, I, if I can give you an example, there was just, we, we were at one of the uh, congregations, which you had to actually climb up the side of a hill and you're, you're, you're literally tiptoeing up this pathway, we saw Imbu Yange. Now, Kip, let me tell you about Imbu, right? Okay. Now, she's a, a parishioner of Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Now, this is on the side of the Tsak Mountains. So, literally, you have to climb up the mountain to get there, right? And she is in her 90s. She was carried to church and carried home from church. Mm. So as another member of her family or someone carried her in, she sat and she listened to the worship. And she had this beautiful smile on her face the whole time, this incredible joy. And what's great about Imbu is that her husband was trained as an evangelist by the Reverend Dr. Otto Hensey Jr., who is the first LCMS missionary to Papua New Guinea. Wow. Now, she's unable to walk. But like I said, the members of the congregation that carried her to their church, where she sat near the doorway and greeted everyone who came in the door. You know, it's not been that long since Lutherans arrived in PNG. I mean, we're talking 70 years. And apparently, the, the, these missionaries were greeted with open arms by the native population. That's kind of unusual sometimes. Indeed. And especially how the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and its missionaries continue to work along with the church. You know, we talked about how LCMS missionaries used to basically cut through the bush, mm -hmm. right? You have, and you'll see a lot of Papua New Guineans tell you about the missionaries of the past, how they've went to congregations, visited congregations. You had the Lutzes, you have Steve Lutz, who was a medical missionary, right? And what's great about that is you see how the early, how the early LCMS missionaries were kind of seen as the heroes who brought the good news. And today, the LCMS missionaries serve kind of as a tangible link to the historic and theological foundation of the church in Papua New Guinea. Now, the, uh, the Lutheran Church of uh, PNG, that is a full partner church with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Is that correct? The Gutnius Lutheran Church yeah. is the partner church, church of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. There are other denominations as well. Now, are we talking uh, uh, pulpit, uh, altar and pulpit uh, fellowship? Yes, with the Gutnius Lutheran Church. Yeah. And I think what's fascinating there is that you see just a really great, there's a there's a diversity of culture in Papua New Guinea. I like, well, no, I don't like, I love the fact that in Papua New Guinea, there are, um, there are more than 800 languages spoken. Oh, man. So Melanesian pidgin is the lingua franca of the country. However, in the Anga province, in the highlands where we were at the Timothy Lutheran Seminary in Barip, where we do a theological education, 
Enga was the primary language there. So you have Enga to Pidgin to English. Oh, man. But what's fascinating, Kip, about Pidgin is that Pidgin is very understandable because it's deconstructed English. You know, my uh, my dad, I mentioned to you, my dad was uh, uh, in the Army during World War II, and he served in that region throughout the Solomon Islands, uh, in Bougainville, for example, that, which is part of PNG. And what his job was, uh, is he established a series of radio stations, and they broadcast to the troops and to the natives on what was going on. And they actually did newscasts in Pigeon. I remember, I remember him showing me one of the scripts once. It was wild. Oh, and Hitler him follow. <laughs> yeah, and radio is such an important part of Papua New Guinea history in the sense that that missionaries, they didn't have the mobile phones they do today. So, um, thanks be to God, we have that technology. We can, can talk we can talk with each other and to different people in the church body, obviously, and stay in touch. But shortwave radio, mm-hmm. slightly different, obviously, was a way that missionaries were able to communicate with each other in Papua New Guinea before you see the advent of mobile technology. It's quite fascinating. It really is. And, and you know, there's a lot of history in that part of the world. Uh, as I mentioned, during World War II, there was a lot of fighting in that region. You know, the Japanese occupied most of the north part of it, and then the American and uh, Australian forces were fighting in the south, or the uh, Battle of the Coral Sea was fought right off there. It, it's a, a, a country that has had a very storied and very mixed, and in many ways a very tragic history. Yeah, you see a lot of tribalism still in Papua New Guinea, and you see that very evident in day-to-day life. It's It would be a culture shock to a lot of Americans. For example, you'll see a lot of bartering in terms of pigs or Coca-Cola, for example. Uh, there's a lot of things used in terms of compensation or maybe like as a gift. You know, you'll see how, I'll, I'll give you a great example, at the seminary, one of the seminarians was able to pay for part of his tuition through one of his pigs. So it was a way of compensating instead of the physical transfer of money. We saw that um, in terms of uh, of, of barding, you know, a person's pig for that. Well, as you pointed out, uh, a lot of the a lot of the people there exist on subsistence farming, you know, and you can't eat money. And PNG has incredibly fertile soil. It's abundant in resources, so people will have all their own farms. It's not uncommon to go there, and you'll see the sweet potatoes, you see the green onions, you see everything you need to live, you see some animals um, living, but also you'll see, well, hey, they've got their own coffee tree, which for a coffee and tea lover, I'm like, great. (laughs) That's good stuff. (laughs) Can't grow that in St. Louis. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know down on the communications department where you uh, work, there is something of a coffee cult. You get specialty coffees, and I'm jealous as heck because we don't have it upstairs in the radio station. <laughs> well, I am an avid tea drinker, which I do find out they actually have a great tea in Papua New Guinea as well. <laughs> um, but, but I think what's what's most important to remember is that, you know, the the Papua New Guineans, you know, here we see a different culture, but what aligns is that we are all sinners mm-hmm. in need of God's grace, and we're still see together, like visiting with these congregations. Kip is that we're all come together for God's word and, and the sacrament and you would attend a, a church service in png and it's just like the church service here in st louis yeah we are sinners in need of a savior all of us right and so in his mercy god sent his son um, to save all people and gather them together around his word 
What else do we do in PNG besides establishing churches? I know, of course, we do uh, mercy missions and things along that line. Have that been active in PNG? We don't have mercy medical teams yet. Um, and I'm not sure if they're going to work on that as well. However, I think what's fascinating is see the work that, say, Anton Lutz does. Okay. Now, Anton Lutz is an LCMS missionary. One of his things he works on, he's very skilled in engineering and mechanical things. And one of his roles is to help repair and maintain the hydropower plant, which is located down from um, this small community where he lives. There's a hospital there. And by maintaining, he keeps the power running for that community. And that is something that is a full mechanical piece of equipment. It's very difficult. He machines his own pieces for that. And it's a very, very treacherous drive to reach this hydropower plant. So he has the schematics for it. He's able to fix it. So in in that way, you know, what I love, he told me, we were talking together, he said, one thing I love uh, to do is serve the people of Papua New Guinea, but I also get really dirty doing it. <laughs> you know, and no doubt. And so you know, here's a guy whose hands are covered in grease, and he's down there fixing it for power. So, and this is something that's been in operation since the '60s. This power plant. So, a lot of things. You know, we now see that generational work. His dad taught him how to fix that when he was a missionary here as well. Well, you know, it reminds me of some of uh, Luther's writings, especially when he talked about vocation where this is a way to serve the Lord, you know, over and above getting in the pulpit and preaching. The beer maker, the mechanic, what have you, they are also serving the Lord by using the Lord's gifts for the betterment of the people around. Yes, you were blessed to have the families there. There are LCMS missionaries. You see the Ritzmans are there. Um, Like I said, Pastor Ron Rawl, his wife, Marianne, you know, Pastor Ron Rawl, he's in the church pulpits. He's preaching. He's teaching. And that's what's incredible about it. You see, not only is he in the classroom, but he's also in the pulpit. And you see Dr. Dickey, who's in there. He's teaching kids music, you know. And then you see the teacher of the primary school using the Bible storybook and reading Bible stories. And so you see how through the years since Otto Hensi, this mission work has continued to come to fruition. And now as we walk alongside the church and you see how they're kind of equipping the church for the work. What needs to be done? Oh, wow. How so? <laughs> <laughs> to continue to, uh, to aid the, uh, the church in uh, PNG, to help spread the gospel to those who are, have not heard it yet. How do we do that? Pray. We know that through God's grace, blesses us. We have our LCMS missionaries. Pray for the work that's being done there. Pray for the people of the of the Good News Lutheran Church. You know, there are, um, there's still tribalism. Sometimes there's conflict and division you see, and we need God's grace there. And that's what's great to see is how our LCMS missionaries are there. And, you know, if, um, you know, they need support as well to continue that work as well. And the idea, I think, that uh, the unity that the church provides is a force to overcome tribalism. Well, you see, what's great is that You know, as we talked about, we are all sinners coming to that altar. And that's what's great to see, Kip, is that that we all come from different places, but we all gather Mm -hmm. in one place. And what I love is that there's a really great song in Pigeon that I've translated here. I think it's really fantastic. It it sticks with me. And I'm just going to read the English part of it, right? I'm not going to try Pigeon. (laughs) I'll tell you my nickname in Pigeon. I'll get to that. Okay. Okay. So the song says, you don't know me. I don't know you, but Jesus brings us together. 
And this is from the hymn, bear with me, Long Mari Mari Belong God. Okay. I know. So, now speaking of nicknames in Pigeon, mine is Man Belong Pixa. Man Belong Pixa. Man with pictures. Man with pictures. <laughs> I kind of want that on a t-shirt. It's amazing. Because I see, like, having spent time there and being with them, I mean, you, you, you take a bit of that culture always back with you oh, and yeah. share it. And that's a blessing, too, to tell other people about it. And you certainly have been through a few. <laughs> and you know, you're right, especially with, with, with PNG. It really is on the other side of the world, and it's in the southern hemisphere, not the northern. Seasons are completely reversed from what we're used to. Uh, it, it would be hard-pressed to find a culture and environment more different than what we have here. And yet you look forward so much to seeing more of this and seeing the unifying factor of, of the love of Jesus and the message of, of the salvation that we spread to these areas. Yeah, I, I struggle to think how someone would just travel to a location hmm. and visit or explore on themselves. To me, I always know that the church is there and that you're cared for by the church. So that's what always gives me a lot of peace is knowing that when I arrive, that folks from the church are there. Well, we're running out of time, but uh, I'm sure that men with pictures had taken a lot of photos. So where can people learn and see what you did in the PNG? Thanks for asking. That's a great question. This will be coming out in our next issue of Engage Magazine. This is the spring issue of Engage Magazine. You can um, receive a free copy, completely free, and... Uh, or go to engage.lcms.org. We will have that out in just a few couple weeks. Well, how about that? And if you're curious, Eric's next, next adventure is also taking him on the other side of the world to Taiwan. Yes, I'm really looking forward to visiting our missionaries uh, out in Taiwan as well and to spend some time teaching. We're going to teach stories, which is ah. great. It's a great way. I love teaching about telling stories. I love telling stories with pictures. Okay. Eric Lunsford, thank you so much. I always look forward to hearing from you when you return from your latest adventure. If I was 30 or 40 years younger, I'd probably be envious. <laughs> Kip, you're a blessing. Thanks for this time as always. It's good to see you. Amen. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.